Welcome to the God-Centered Recovery Podcast brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. This podcast is dedicated to giving you a God-centered approach to recovery and to life. Follow along. Let's get started. Welcome everybody to the God-Centered Men's Recovery Podcast. So uh, what we're doing uh, today is we're launching a new podcast and what we're going to do is be interviewing uh, people's recovery stories and just the dynamics of how they um, got into recovery and the um, what's working for them now as far as success inside of their recovery. And so um, a good acquaintance of mine, and uh, we've known each other for uh, approximately a year uh, online and just really connected and um, uh, just got the same vision, the same mindset. Uh, he's going to be leading the podcast, and so today is uh, me interviewing him, and then we are going to be launching that um, starting the uh, first of the year. So super excited about that. So uh, Richard, what's up, brother? How you doing? Good. How you doing? Good, good, brother. All right. So uh, I'm just going to dive right into um, the the meat of the questions here. And uh, take me to uh, full-fledged addiction, uh, where it's um, where it's taking a toll on you, where you're kind of really seeing uh, kind of the consequences or the darkest moments uh, inside of addiction. What, what does that look like for you? Uh, well, for me, it's it's the when I lose that power of choice, uh, like the phenomenon of craving uh, kicks in. Normally that happens after I, I use, and then I'm off and running. So, uh, for me, it, it never was, uh, just go have a couple drinks, uh, that kind of stuff. It was, um, once I ingested alcohol, I was, I was going until there was nothing left or I couldn't, uh, I'd lose consciousness, <laughs> you know? And then, uh, you know, for me, my life became, you know, I, I, I was always kind of able to maintain, you know, a job, but you know, they say you're not able to make a living. And, and that was true in my case. Like I, I was still able to hold down certain responsibilities, but was I really making a living? No. Right. Um, and you know, the, the consequences, I mean, I've, I've struggled with addictions my whole life. So, you know, when I was 21, um, those, those addictions looked a lot different than the ones I was just struggling with, uh, here in the last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and, and how they kind of manifest themselves in other areas of my life, not, not only drugs and alcohol, but you know, that compulsive behavior, uh, without me checking that or without me continuing to grow spiritually, uh, I start to die spiritually really quick. And then you know, it'll manifest itself in relationships or overeating or undereating or like just so many different ways. So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I really relate to the kind of balls to the wall <laughs> mentality and, um, you know, there's something about, uh, addictive, uh, personality or addictiveness that, um, uh, we're definitely black and white and kind of, we're either all in or all out. And, uh, that seems to happen inside of relationships, um, but it definitely manifested inside of addiction. 
uh, because we either go hard or we don't go at all. Right. <laughs> right. That's right. kind of the, uh, the, um, the mindset. And I, I definitely relate to that. Um, you know, I see, you know, in myself, um, some of the delusion of maintaining a, a pretty decent life, um, you know, being able to hold a job and uh, somehow function, you know, I guess I'd be classified as a functional alcoholic and, uh, you know, I'd be able to function and hold down a job. But, um, you know, like you said, spiritually, I'd be, you know, kind of dead. Um, not aware and active, you know, inside of my spiritual life. And then, of course, physically, um, you know, going through those withdrawals and um, uh, depression that came after a long binger. Um, you know, I usually felt the effects of that for however long my binge was. You know, if it was a three-day binger, you know, I don't think I came to full normal until probably three days after I stopped drinking and, and, um, you know, just going through that process repeatedly was just really, um, depressing <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Can yeah. you relate to some of that? <laughs> uh, definitely. Yeah. I, I would, uh, well, the, my, like after the divorce, I had, I had started drinking again, but it was, you know, every other weekend, every few weekends. And then the decisions I was making while I was drinking, I would, feel all the guilt and shame, you know, come back. And I, I remember those things from, you know, previous battles that I've had with myself. And it was like, you know, do I really want to keep, do I really want to go back to that lifestyle? So it was like a real, it's, you know, it says in the big book that we'll, we will, uh, we will recoil from it as though it's a hot flame. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I knew in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm constantly playing with fire. And although it might relieve some stuff, you know, cause I'd always justify my, my binge drinking with, you know, well, I work hard. So I, I play hard. Yeah. So yeah, I, I haven't drank in, yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah. drank in six months. So I've been working and keeping it down. So I'm going to go on a five day <laughs> <laughs> danger, you know, cause yeah. I deserve it. Yeah. And, I uh, it. <laughs> but then it was those decisions that I was making during that time that would bring all the guilt and shame back. And then that was just a repercussion that would last months, you know? Yeah. And then having to go back and clear up some of that wreckage and, and all that. And it's just like, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm saying, you know, Richard, when are you just gonna, you know, live within this frame, you know, stay within your frame and, and at all cost, you know, and I guess, it just takes a certain amount of desperation and willingness um, to get there, you know? Yeah. And unfortunately I'm hardheaded. You know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. You know, for me personally, you know, there was just a lot of uh, disgust. Um, and I think, um, I think in me, the disgust had to rise to the point of um, that. This is really painful. And emotionally painful, physically painful, um, you know, right about the time that I was contemplating change was, um, you know, I was pissing kidney stones and going through that process. And then in my relationship, um, you know, it was <laughs> just terrible. Um, you know, there was uh, cheating involved and just not really wanting to face the reality and to deal with it. And um you know, for me personally, it took my disgust level to get pretty high uh, for me to even really think about changing. Um, 
you know, I was in the, in the mindset of that, you know, I got this, uh, <laughs> you know, I got this under control. I'm, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. and then same, same, like you were talking about, like, I deserve this. Like, you know, this is, this is the way I reward myself for all my good behavior, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I tear myself down. <laughs> Uh, which is some crazy delusion, right? Because we say we deserve this, but uh, we deserve something a whole lot better, you know, but uh, it's interesting, the stories. So in this moment, like what's, what's like the darkest moment or what was uh, like the catalyst for change beginning to happen? Are you, were you just like, okay, I'm sick of this. I, you know, this ain't working for me. How did, how did that go? Um, yeah, it was, uh, let me see. I lost you on speakerphone for some reason here. Yeah. So I'll repeat the question that, um, how did the, uh, change process begin to happen recently where it's like, uh, you know, I'm kind of fed up with this. I'm disgusted. Or how did that go for you? Um, well for me, it, it was like, uh, I I've been, I've experienced sobriety in my past. And, mm -hmm. um, when I get to a point of desperation to where the, the, the thing that's supposed to relieve me isn't working anymore and reality is just, I can't face reality at all. And that's when I start to get the, that, that, that thinking of if this is all it is, then I want out. And yeah. every time I've hit that, that point of, I would call it like the dark night of the soul you know, staring at a handgun, wondering, you know, I could just end it all now. And those thoughts, uh, I guess, scare me because I know, I know I'm not capable of actually taking my own life. Um, and then in other cases, you know, I become very extroverted and like homicidal. <laughs> yeah. So, so it, it, when I don't like, it, and it's all fear driven, like when, when I become that fear driven, insecure man, um, you know, I remember, uh, 23 years old, uh, I'm 40 today. Um, but when I was 20, 21, I, I sobered up when I was 23. Um, but, uh, 21 to 23 was after my dad had passed away and I just went off the deep end, uh, mm -hmm. there and, uh, 23, I woke up in a drunk tank looking at 40 years in prison and mm. I, there was a, I, you know, I, there was a moment in that cell where I remember telling myself, I'm going to be a better man, not a bitter man. You know, this opportunity has to make me a better man, not a bitter man. And I've kind of taken that with me this, this whole time. And, you know, the trials that I face in my life, I, I really, I really try to find the outcome where I can become a better man, not a bitter man. So I don't want to walk around with a hard heart and you know have this yeah. world change me um so and it's i guess it's that that desperation of because i've i've reached that desperation in sobriety as well like if this is all it is then i don't want to do this anymore you know and those thoughts when those thoughts start to come to me uh those are huge red flags that i need to start changing something and i'm grateful that for whatever reason I've had that ability to go to any length to be willing to do the things I need to do. And, you know, even in like just over the last two years, like even in the super hard, you know, like 
the hardest moments of my life to be like, okay, I'm willing to go to any length to get through this, to become a better man, not a better man. I don't want to, you know, hold on to these grudges and, and continue to live my life based in fear. You know, uh, because that that was what I found my biggest issue is, is when my life be, when I when my life becomes driven by fear, that's when I start to hide. That's when I start to medicate. That's when I start to, you know, go back into my shell. And then I start yeah. lashing out at the people that I that I care about and love. And I start taking it out on them. And then I start relying on other people to help me process my emotions uh, to help me, you know, do all these, these things that I need to be self-regulating, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it, it, it's more of an insidious, uh, uh, situation with me because I don't, I, I understand that my addictions were my answers at one point and then they became the problems. So yeah, the problem necessarily wasn't the drinking or the drugs or, or the sex or the, you know, had relationships. It was something really with inside of me that I had to address. And yeah, you know, through going, going through the process and, and being in recovery, uh, uh, hearing the word every day and, and kind of the word really helps me build my frame, you know, uh, the frame that I want to live within. So as, when I'm not sinning against myself, I don't have to carry guilt and shame, you know, Um, because I know that, you know, I'm still living within this framework. Um, so yeah, that's (laughs) through going, you know, going through that process, I found that when I tried to control everything around me and that's, that's where that fear comes in is I, I have to have people like me. And if you don't like me, Oh God, I'm afraid that you don't like me. And then I have to get you to like me. You know, and it's just, it's produced, it's, it's kind of manifested itself in so many different ways. Like I say, in my life that, that I, I've, you know, going through the the process of, of like, uh, you know, the 12 steps and that kind of thing, doing a fears list, um, finding out what was driving me in those moments. And then it was like a slap in the face that all my resentments had, had stemmed from a fear, you know? Right. And uh, I right. was like, okay, well then I need to start really looking at these fears and, and how and where they're driving me in my life. And, you know, today I'm, I'm really grateful that the driving force in, in my life is to be of service to, to other human beings. Uh, I pray daily that God removes anything within me to keep me from being of true service to him and others. Yeah. Yeah. Force, uh, you know, you, you talk about like courage, um, uh, self confidence. Like I don't, you know, it was like a like flipping the coin, you know, or turning a light on. <laughs> it just it starts coming, you know. It, uh, and yeah, I'm I know in my heart like where my intentions are. So <laughs> as I'm navigating this life today and and staying within that frame. Um, I'm not carrying or, or creating any more wreckage than, than is, you know, an accident here or there, you know, like, Ooh, I didn't, I didn't yeah. need to say that to you and then try to make that right, right away. That way I, I'm not carrying that with me. Um, so 
some good stuff. <laughs> you said so much that I can relate to. Um, you know, the, the idea of becoming a, a better man and not a better man. I think um, we have the every single opportunity uh, to become bitter. Um, you know, you talk about uh, losing your father at 23. It's funny. I was right at the same age. I think I was 24 uh, when my father OD'd on heroin. And um, I think life gives the opportunity for everybody uh, to become bitter. Um, you know, and if we hold on to those things and, and, and we let bitterness, it's funny, bitterness is actually a root word for poison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we do. Like we, we, when we partake in this bitterness, it's just uh, poisoning ourselves and our lives. And, and, for me, it was taking my own life slowly. You know, it was, uh, um, I, I wasn't somebody that I respected. I didn't respect myself. Uh, you know, I didn't see myself as, as keeping my ideals and my standards. And so uh, I didn't have much respect for myself. And that led to kind of disintegration and different stuff. But I was definitely um, uh, taking my life and, and punishing myself uh, very slowly um, but it was definitely a, a methodical choice in there. <laughs> uh, it's odd how, but it's crazy. Uh, just it's odd how we do that that self destructive behavior. Uh, I was going to say it's easy to be angry. It's easy to spit fire and and speak poison into other people. It's it's easy to be angry. It's easy to do those things. It's not easy to be kind. It's not easy to forgive. It's not easy, and for some reason. Like that was kind of, that was kind of my slap in the face actually over this last week. Um, you know, that it's, it's easy to react. It's not easy to pause. Yeah. So it's like when they, when they talk about how, you know, you know, pray for a, don't pray for an easy life, pray for the ability to withstand a difficult one. And and that's kind of what I got out of that is, you know, it's not easy to do, to, to be kind and, and to, you know, show forgiveness and those things, but that's, that's the, that's the trial. Like that's, and once, once you're able to, and you win a couple of those little battles, uh, you start to see how that changes everything around you. Like my relationships definitely improved after I stopped, you know, spitting fire at everybody around me, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's crazy. You know what I've noticed in my life. And so I have, uh, I have this mindset of myself where I don't, uh, I don't respect myself. I'm not proud of the decisions that I'm making. Right. And then I have relationships where, um, where that kind of reflects off in a sense. And you you have relationships where, well, people look at you and, uh, they don't admire you also. And they're not proud of, 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 of who you are. And so it's kind of like, who we are is this, you know, what we believe ourselves to be in our projection. It really projects onto other people. And, um, you know, I've seen that really play out in my life. Um, and the opposite, when I started to, um, get some wins under my belt, when I started to respect myself and that, you know, and and self-worth kind of came back, um, you attract and, and that perception uh, is continued by other people. Also, they, they begin to admire you in what you stand for and stuff. So it's like, it's crazy. Yeah. 
um, just the way we 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 treat uh, we teach people how to treat us. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's that's that's, that's kind of what I'm I I mean by the frame by by building a frame that I'm going to live within. Uh-huh. And that's been a a, a process. Uh, just here recently, I had um, it was uh, <clears throat> just gaining different you know gaining new perspectives on things. Um, you know, um, I kind of lost track of what I was going to say. <laughs> well, that's okay. You know, I'll bring it, uh, bring it, uh, around to a topic that you talked about is being driven by fear and really assessing, uh, an inventory and looking at, um, maybe the motivation behind certain behavior. And I honestly believe if we trace back the root um, to most all of our behaviors going to come from an insecurity and a fear driven fear based behavior and i think um you know as as addicts we um we kind of numb that out we we hide from it we we sedate it we do all these things that you know and nothing really changes until we face face that insecurity and that gnawing sense of I'm not enough. I'm not oh, yeah. enough. I'm not worthy. And then, and somebody <laughs> you know? tries to tell you otherwise, that that's where uh you know I've noticed I've had to allow that, like um to have have people tell me otherwise. <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Because it, it's uh those things I don't want to admit to myself. How dare you see them? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh but that's uh yeah. oh, I just had it again and it, it, it fle- it's fleeting. It keeps it keeps going. Um it was an experience that I had uh last week. So I was okay, I was sitting kind of down on myself. And I was thinking about the people, the people in my life that I've been a hurricane to and kind of, you know, wreaking havoc on people's lives based off the decisions that I was making and things like that. And I was really beating myself up, you know, just beating myself up. And I, and I uh, had a brother reach out to me and he kind of knew I was struggling with some stuff and I was talking to him and his perspective was like, okay, well, what's, you know, what's the original story? And I told him, you know, I'm, I just keep, you know, wrecking through people's lives like a wrecking ball and like a, you know, a storm in, in all these other people's lives. And, you know, this is something that had happened probably a couple months ago. And he goes, well, what about the fact that you're actually sitting here a, like a month later feeling bad about it? Like, what does that say about your character and how big of a heart you have? You know? And that's, that's I was like, wow, you know, I'm not that bad of a, a person. And it was just, like I said, it's been a process to have that respect for myself. Uh, I'm not used to yeah. it. You know, I'm not, I'm used to self-sacrificing and, and doing everything for everyone else and not putting me first and, and, uh, and not having a very good image of the man that I am, even when I'm, you know, not really all that bad, <laughs> you know, but I, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's part of that, I guess, um, uh, uh, you know, self, uh, uh, self defeating, you know, mindset and, uh, exactly you know, that we all kind of possess. Yeah. You know, for me, uh, um, you know, I consider myself to be kind of awoke and awake inside of my addiction. Um, that's why, 
I was having so so much trouble with my addiction (laughs) because I was, uh, um, you know, enlightened in a sense to my behavior and understanding. I, um, you know, I had a great desire to, to do good where when I wasn't alive, I, you know, spiritually alive, I didn't have any problem. I didn't have any problem, uh, doing, uh, bad things. I really didn't have any problem hurting in anybody. I just really didn't see, um, that inside of the equation. But when the light bulb came on, um, now all of a sudden I got a conflict and, uh, competing desires, you know, where I want to, of course, uh, do good. And then I find that I'm not doing good. And, and that's a very frustrating experience. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Awareness yeah. is definitely a double-edged sword. It is. It'll ruin your party. <laughs> it does. It absolutely ruins your party for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so uh, uh, the last question I wanted to ask is, um, is what is the, the, the why behind um, you being sober and, um, what do you hold on to as the reason and the purpose uh, for maintaining the course that you're on? Uh, for me, I would have to say it's, um, I guess, having a, a taste of being able to, to win those those wars inside of my head. Um, kind of, it, it, it drives me to continue to win the wars. Um, it's yeah. like having a little bit of success, getting a little bit of sobriety, having a spiritual awakening, becoming spiritually alive, having a purpose to carry a message that can save other people's lives. Uh, you know, like I said, when those, when those, when my driving force switched from fear based to uh, being of service, you know, being a disciple essentially um gave uh years ago when i was in my 20s but that decision to be a christian or to be a disciple uh there's there's a lot there's a huge step there and um you know i I decided last year that i wanted to you know become a disciple and really try to walk this path and i'll tell you it's done nothing for my ego it's done done nothing for uh you know rich's ego at all and but what it has done is it's shown me that i'm capable of humility uh and it's shown me a pattern in my life how pride uh false pride followed by the fall followed by humility it's been kind of like a cycle throughout my life and to be able to um to be able to match that up with um, my experience, it's, you know, it's a driving force to me today. I don't, I don't really feel as though if I let someone down, um, you know, cause I am human and I'm going to let people down and, I let, and if I, I'm going to do those things, uh, there has to be a reason or there has to be a lesson in that. And, um, yeah, you know, just having a message to carry, is is really is really kind of a driving force to me today and to see the blessings and the promises come true in my life where i'm no longer i'm I'm no longer chained in this self-bondage prison 
You know, I have a way out. I can yeah. fight that yeah. voice in my head that says I'm a piece of shit. I can fight that voice in my head that says I'm not good enough and I'm not going to achieve these things or that that person's opinion to me yeah. matters or, or whatever it is that's going on that day. I've been giving, you know, given this ability through all kind of like you know, going through the process, uh, of, of the God centered, uh, recovery, um, the lessons, like, where is my, identity? where, where yeah, do I, yeah. where do I put my identity? Where do I, you know, and who gives me my identity? I mean, for a long time, yeah. I'd lose a job and just forget who I am. Or, you know, when I went through the divorce, I didn't know who I oh, was. Yeah. And like when the bottom falls out, you, I've been able to kind of withstand a lot of stuff that would have destroyed me two years ago. And I think just yeah. in retrospect, it's like, that's motivating to me you know, to keep going, yeah. keep going, see what I could actually do. If I'm only mm -hmm. actually operating at 10% of my capacity, what would my life look like if I was doing stuff at 50%? Yeah, man, that's powerful. <laughs> oh, man. You just uh, attached, uh, you bring me feelings of my why and um, how I started this uh, podcast ministry um, just really getting to the fundamentals of of what is keeping me sober, um, and why why I set I set that up, um, you know, to structure myself in a way where um, going back to the old life um, it means a whole lot more now than it did. You know, and, and do you understand what I'm saying? Is that I've given myself a new identity, so now. You know, I it's it's easier for me to see myself in this new identity of recovery than it is picturing myself yeah. going back. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's, for me, yeah. I I did it for I did it like when I first started going into treatment and stuff. I'd do it to save a relationship. I would I would do it for you, do it for them, and then you yeah. know, once I got yeah. it and I started actually doing it for me. Um, I had about, at one point, I think I had five years of sobriety and I had a tattoo on my arm of my sobriety date. <laughs> and I remember I couldn't drink because I'd lose all this time, you know, and then that, that became kind of a motivator that I didn't want to lose my time. And when I did eventually, uh, you know, I kind of, I relapsed on, on pills. And when that happened, like, you know, I, I carved the the date out of my arm, you know, like, so, you know, all that guilt and shame hit, you know, and it's like, if I put a, if I put so much importance on, on time sober, on doing it because I have people that rely on me today, like I had to find something that was a lot deeper than that. And, you know, yeah, I, yeah. like I, I talk about hope and how hope almost killed me because I was, I was using hope completely wrong. And so it's yeah. kind of the same concept when I, when I put that faith in, into myself, if, that if I'm, if I'm doing these things that I need to do, that I'm going to, I'm going to continue to get what I've got. You know, it's, if I continue to do the things I used to do, I'm going to continue to get the things I've always gotten. So, you know, it's yeah. kind of, uh, yeah. I had to find something deeper and more meaningful. And what that is, is, yeah. you know, being able to carry a message in the treatment centers, being able to look at someone who has absolutely no hope, completely dead soul, 
and breathe life into their life. And, you know, yeah. there's nothing more rewarding. And I don't take the reward like that. That reward literally goes right to God. That's all glory to God because I, I do some of the footwork, but he does the impossible. He changed my heart. He changed the way I think. Yeah. And he's constantly doing it. Like this isn't something I'm perfect at. I, I make so many mistakes. It's ridiculous. But like I said, that better man versus bitter man, it's easy to be angry. It's easy to hold a resentment. It's not easy to let this stuff go and do the work to where you can actually find that, that peace, you know, and it says if, you yeah. know, if we do these things, we will find that new happiness and that new freedom. And those promises do come true. Like, you know, uh, I think for a lot of people that come into the program of Alcoholics Anonymous or NA or CA, uh, they come in agnostic. And so they talk about having a spiritual experience. And I, I can really equivalent that spiritual experience to understanding. It's like having an understanding of how rich works. And all of a sudden it's a slap in the face. And that's when you become yeah. kind of enlightened. Like, okay. This is yeah. all my fault. <laughs> I'm not a victim. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, reaching out for the higher power and, and then starting that. Because that's just, that's how I was kind of brought to uh, Christianity and, and brought to Jesus was through the program. And, and so I found my yeah. band of brothers in recovery. You know, um, I can really relate to people who've been in that foxhole. And, you know, that's yeah. that in itself is taking a curse and making it a blessing and being able to carry that message to, to people who who truly need it, you know? Yeah. You know, I think uh, hearing you talking, you know, I was thinking of the deception of the heart um, because you mentioned about, you know, God doing this transformation, this change in your heart, um, you know, and I think that comes from clarity from what you really want, because there's like this, there's this flesh desire. And then there's deeper than that is a, uh, your spiritual man, your spiritual desire, what you really want underneath the facade of, of momentary pleasures and, and stuff like that. And I think for me, you know, part of that change of heart was, um, was asking myself, do I really want this? Like, um, what do I really want? And just really getting in touch with that, 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 um, coming out of the lower nature and, uh, really tapping into the higher nature and into that new paradigm and belief system. You know oh, yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's very confusing yeah. when, when, because I don't really know. I mean, I'm, I'm very new at this. So self deception for me has been, you know, like kind of like walking through a minefield, you know, because I don't know where my blinders yeah. are and what beliefs I'm, I have still to this day that are limiting me and those things. So it's a continuous process. I don't think this thing ever is ever going to end, you know, um, having these blinders kind of taken off and, and understanding because I can convince myself of anything and I lie to myself about that. <laughs> and it's one of those I have a friend of mine who says all the time you can't got this <laughs> you, you can't got this and, and I just keep telling him anytime I think that I got this or that I know this I, I need to look at something because I don't got this 
that's good stuff. So um, I want to close it out with, um, you know, with the addict and the alcoholic who still suffers. Um, there's men that listen to this podcast and, and, you know, I was pretty much the same. I'd watch um, uh, Dr. Drew, a celebrity addiction. And, and even though I was in active addiction, I, I consumed uh, uh, addiction material. And so there are people listening, they're struggling. Um, they're still suffering. And so um, what I want to bring to them is a message of hope. So if you could think of a word, you know, to the addict who still suffers, uh, what is your message of hope to them? Well, it, my message of hope would be, uh, it doesn't matter how many times you try or have tried in the past. Uh, that was kind of one of my, yeah, my big yeah. things was how many times do I have to go back to the beginning? Yeah. Um, but you know, every time you start over, you're not starting completely over. You're, you're starting over and you, you already learned something that didn't work. So the things that you're, you know, the, the things that you're doing that don't work, that have, that keep you where you're at. So now you, you know what those things are. So now it's about seeking out something yeah. that is, is different from all those things. And I only say that because I know people in the program you know, who have, who have had, you know, 20, 20 years and had that same thought completely sober of jumping off a building because their lives were, were, were crap. Yeah. Right. So whatever they were doing right. wasn't keep, you know, wasn't working anymore. So the, the things that I did yesterday aren't going to keep me sober today. And so it's having yeah. that willingness to, to be able to open up and ask someone to take you through the, the big book, to take you through the book, to, to take you through scripture. Um, and then having that willingness to say, okay, when is enough enough? Am I truly done? And then be done like that. That's the biggest, yeah. that's the biggest thing is that I think where I would use a lot of self-deception is that, you know, I'm not, I'm yeah. not going to say I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> you know and a lot of it is you know yeah well it's oh, funny go ahead. it's funny how uh well it's not funny i you know i find it comical because i've seen it in myself but you know each time we we lie to ourselves and set ourselves up for failure it's almost like um you know we 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 decrease a notch <laughs> like our confidence and our you know our willingness and so the, each time that we try and fail it seems like uh, it affects us in a very negative fashion so you know being honest with ourselves am i actually do i really want to you know um do i really want to do this thing um am i really gonna uh, go all in with this I, yeah i think is a really important question because you know going around and around the 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 cycle of of on failing on failing on failing um it's very detrimental i know yeah for me. yeah and that's where i think we a lot of addicts uh fall short because they don't here's here's the message of hope you're you are an overcomer god made you god yeah. made you to be able to like you're built for this you're built for whatever Whatever you're going through right now in life, you're built for it. And you're being built every day for what's coming tomorrow. 
So it's, it's to have that yeah. hope and faith in yourself that you will be able to overcome any situation, any circumstance put in your life. You know, that, that's, that was huge for me to, to take that hope of being able to get sober or the hope of being able to, you know, save my life, save a relationship, save. It was always on an outcome, like hoping on something to happen. And I had to refocus that hope inside, like focus it directly into me that I will be able to withstand this no matter what. And that I'm not going to be a bitter man. I'm going to be a better man through this. And then I think that kind of helped me find that willingness to dig deep because nobody wants to look at themselves. And it's so easy to blame my addictions and my, and the hard, the hardships in my life on the world. But to be honest with you, it's all me. I've made every decision since I was capable of making a decision that have that have brought me to that point, <laughs> right. to this point in my life. And so it's it's you know, it's really, you know, you are made to be an overcomer. That's a good word, man. <laughs> I love that. You know, within that, you know, I see that everybody's everybody has a hero's journey. Uh, I do believe that everybody um, is on their quest. Um, everybody's going to face their obstacles. And, you, you know, if you look at the narrative of the hero's journey, there is a definite time where um, the hero is down and it appears like um, it's pretty much over. And so it's coming out of that, uh, that space and that time with the new identity of, you know what, I am a victor. I am an overcomer. Yeah. And I just love that. Well, even that, if brother. it's making you better in the morning, at least you overcame that, you know? And like, it's going to start, start <laughs> right? Like I did. I had to start real simple. Yeah. And it was just, you know, tackling these things one day at a time. And, you know, really, I think through the process of finding my identity, um, understanding the, the victimology, uh, a lot of the, the, the stuff that I do today, just in my, in my, on my personal time, like I, I, I'm hungry for knowledge on what makes rich tick, you know, and that in itself, I think is, is a motivator for me to, to continue, um, you know, Absolutely. to continue going because the more I find out about me, the more things I'm, I'm fixing in my life. Like I, I've never, I never thought that the blessing of my divorce would be to have an interpersonal relationship with all three of my kids. You know, it was like, yeah. had I been, and had I stayed comfortable and had I maintained that life of comfort that I had where, you know, my ex-wife was the bridge and she would just give me the rundown of their day. How was their day? Okay. I was at work all day. So tell me what happened. And then just kind of go from there. I never would have had this, this relationship with them or the opportunity to have. Yeah. And then to put that work in and to see the promises come true in that. And, and, you know, uh, like the relationship with me and my mom, my sister, my brother, you know, all those things started to kind of get a whole lot better once I cleared out the, the trash that was inside of me and my view of myself, you know, um, I really think like going through that process, I, uh, being rejected by someone, uh, definitely made me look at me like I wasn't worthy or worth, you know, the time or effort. So, you know, that's, that for me was kind of a wake up call. And then 
to see how that has all changed over the last year, year and a half. Um, I'm, I'm just so grateful that I had that idea come to me that I am an yeah. overcomer. I, I am going to overcome any of these situations because I'm built for this. And if I, and if I feel yeah. like I'm not built for it today, I'm being built for it tomorrow. Right? It's for what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so. It's crazy. I, uh, you know, as I was going through the darkest place, I, um, I actually got it tattooed on me now just to remember the anthem song that uh, that got me through the difficult situations. And it was uh, Papa Roach's song, Face Everything and Rise. Yeah. And uh, he talks about going, you know, he's, he struggled with addiction. You can, you can tell from a lot of his music. And, uh, you know, he talked about uh, um, just facing all these difficulties and, and rising and, and, and walking through the flames and it's a blessing in disguise. And man, he just really did a truth bomb on me. And um, so much so that you know, I put it on my body, but um, yeah, you know, I feel the, you know, in that, you know, the, the rising, the Phoenix, the, you know, you're in the darkness and you say, you know what, this is not going to kill me. I'm going to rise from this and, and, and all things are going to work together for good. Yeah. Um, this is going to turn around into a blessing. And that's just freaking amazing. Yes. Yes. I, I would amazing, have to, brother. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you, man. you too. Um, I, I would I appreciate I would you just, so much, uh, man. I just wanted to kind of close with, with an idea and a, or a thought, but, uh, okay. my, my experience, see, I, I'm very egotistical, you know, <laughs> and, uh, I think for me, when I was able to share my pain with another person, uh, share my pain with a brother. Oh, uh, and if you're a woman, you know, a sister, but to share my pain, when I, I had this experience where I was being crushed by everything going on around me. And this is kind of a, an, a, a testament to fellowship because when I had another human being that I could express that pain to, and he was willing to take on half of that burden for me, as soon as that happened, like, you know, pain shared is pain divided. And then all of a sudden I could stand up yeah. a little bit, a little bit higher in my seat, you know, I was, and then the other half that was unbearable, I, I could leave that at the cross. As long as we're suppressing our pain, that's, that's pain multiplied. So the men that are listening to this, if yeah. you're suppressing that pain, you know, find you a group of men that, that you trust and, and share that pain. Because once you share that pain, that pain is yeah. no longer within you. It's on the shoulders of every brother who's listening to you. And then you, you feel that relief. You know, I think that really helped me a lot. Yeah. That really helped me a lot was to that feeling of not being alone. You know? Yeah. There's, there's a process in release in there. Cause you know, we need to, um, we need to release these things as far as, uh, burdens and carrying the load and the weight on our shoulder. And we wonder why we're stressed out and we're having anxiety and all of these different things is because we're right. carrying all the weight, right. <laughs> you know, and it's like releasing it. And for whatever reason, it's just so, easier man. to medicate it than it is to actually express it to another human being. That's one of the hardest things I did was, was to surrender to the fact that I had holes in my armor and that I could, I could rely on another man to, work, you know, work through these things and be honest and, and feel, you know, I mean, most, I guess it's most men 
you know, we have that, that ego that doesn't want to admit that we are powerless or have issues. And, you know, that keeps a lot of people sick, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, I, I understand it's not easy to do, but once I started to do that, uh, it, it made, it made expressing it a lot, a lot easier, you know? And then, like I said, it, it takes that, that weight off your shoulders so that you can get a minute of rest. Cause it's like drowning, you know, it's yeah. like throwing somebody a life raft <laughs> right? and let, you know, letting them, you know, get 10 minutes of rest and then throwing them back in the, <laughs> in the water. Again. But at least you get a break, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that's good stuff, brother. All right. Well, I appreciate you, man. I'm dropping. We're dropping this episode on Wednesday, and uh, um, we're gonna. Um, uh, Rich is gonna interview me next week, and then we're gonna start interviewing brothers. If you have a story to tell, uh, reach out to us. But most importantly, um, click on the link that's in the description, and that'll take you to information concerning our GCR groups. Uh, click on that link and um, join. Join us. Uh, we have some meetings going on on Sunday, and uh, they'll benefit you greatly. So, all right, Rich, brother. I'll, I'll all talk right. to you next week. Thank man. you, sir. Appreciate you. Bye. All right, brother.